Welcome to Words That Move Me, the podcast where movers and shakers like you get the information and inspiration you need to navigate your creative career with clarity and confidence. I am your host, Dana Wilson, and I move people. I am all about the tools and techniques that empower tomorrow's leaders to make the work of their dreams and live a full life while doing it. So whether you're new to the game or transitioning to your next echelon of greatness, you're in the right place. Hello, my friend, and welcome to Words That Move Me. I'm Dana, and wow, you are really in for a treat today. We are continuing our conversations about mastery with the one and only Mandy Moore. Well, technically, I guess there is the one other Mandy Moore, the pop star Mandy Moore. But y'all, as far as I'm concerned, the choreographer Mandy Moore has far eclipsed the pop star Mandy Moore in terms of um, popularity and power and also relevance specifically to me and this community of movers and shakers. So let's do this. Um, Mandy Moore is a celebrated and decorated choreographer of stage and screen. And I do want to also point out, for the record, she is a phenomenal dancer and an exceptional teacher and a dear friend of mine. Holy smokes, I don't know how I got so lucky, but I do know that I cannot wait to get into this episode. This conversation woof, lights me up. Um, but first, let's do some wins, shall we? Today, I am celebrating an incredible group of students down at Chapman University. Um, not just any group of students, mind you, the graduating class of 2022. Yeah, doggy. I was invited down there to work with the graduating BFAs, um, and I did not know until I arrived, but holy smokes, I taught their last class of the year and Chapman's last class in that facility, period, ever. What the heck? Um, Chapman will be getting a brand new facility that sounds like the stuff dreams are really made of. Um, so future BFAs at Chapman University, y'all are some lucky ducks. Uh, anyways, I'm celebrating this as a win because it was such a great reminder of the importance and the power of community. Um, seeing these dancers connect and love on each other, support each other, cry with each other, shout with each other, of course, obviously get down with each other. Um, it was it was an inspiring and heartwarming sight to behold. This was also a very important reminder of the power of moving on, which can feel really scary and sad and like a lot of different feelings. Which reminds me, if you are a graduating senior listening to this right now, and if you are feeling the feelings about moving on, um, especially if you are feeling confusion or overwhelm, um, <laughs> worry, there are still a few days for you to register for my summer career coaching intensive. It is for graduating seniors only. So class of 2022, I am talking to you. Um, and, and we basically dig into all of the things you don't learn in dance class. How to manage your mind, how to manage your money, your relationships, your projects, all the good stuff. Um, so come and get it. Visit wordsthatmoveme.com slash events for more info about the program and uh, the link to apply. wordsthatmoveme.com slash events. 
that is my win. I am celebrating the class of 2022 and closing it out with a hot and sweaty bang at Chapman University. Thank you so much for having me, y'all. Um, all right, that's what's going well in my world. Now it is your turn. Hit me with your win. What's going well in your world? Alrighty then. Congrats, my friend. Keep winning. I'm so proud of you. And I also cannot wait to share this episode with you. So let's do it. Let's get ready for a masterclass in master planning with Mandy freaking Moore. <laughs> freaking is not her middle name, but Joe is. Mandy Joe Moore. Enjoy. Mandy Moore, welcome yeah. to the podcast, my friend. Yes. Okay. Um, so this is a thing. I mean, I've known you for a very long time, and I think that you are a person who needs no introduction, but it's one of the things, one of the traditions that I hold here that I let slash make my guests introduce themselves. So I'm going to yield the floor and let you tell us anything you want us to know about you. Ooh, that's For a good sure. one. Uh, well, ah, uh, well, obviously, I'm Mandy Moore. I am not the singer, in case anyone's confused. Um, uh, yeah, I've <laughs> been a dancer choreographer for a very long time. Uh, I grew up in Colorado, so uh, same as you, Dana, which is really exciting. And um, yeah, I love dance. I guess that's all I got to say. Ugh, that's a great intro. <laughs> I love dance as well. <laughs> Um, I also love you. I love the way you work. I love the way you talk. I love that you are an enthusiastic person who is direct. And so I think in that, in that spirit, we'll just get directly into it. Um, this month on the podcast, we're talking about mastery. The, the idea of mastering a craft, the notion of being a master. What is that to you? <laughs> wow. Um, well, first of all, thank you for even considering me for this. And I, wow, I didn't even think I'm a master at dance or choreography. So I'm really super, super honored to be here and talk about it. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I read a book a long time ago. I think you and I talked about this, actually. It's a Malcolm Gladwell book where he talks about the 10,000 hours. I feel like you and I probably had talked about that at some yes. point. Since we've had many a conversation together. Mm -hmm. Um and yes. I guess I think like with the mastery thing, I think about that. I'm like, I have just been doing it a long time and I've made a lot of, mm. a lot of mistakes and a lot of learning curve. I like really feel like I've learned a lot and I've had a lot of success, but I've also had a lot of time to, you know, work on this thing, this weird art form that's subjective and is just a weird expression of something you feel inside uh, for a lot of hours. I've done it for a long time. Oh, so many hours, so much odd. Like, yes, what we do is so strange. I was watching competition this past weekend. I was emceeing, not judging, which means I actually get to, like, observe it more versus yeah. critique it more. I just sit there and I watch it. And this past weekend, I was like, yo, dance is just funny sometimes. Like, what we do is so odd. Like, truly, give an emotion a shape 
and a speed, a tempo, a, a, a formation. It's so odd to me, but I do love it. And it's like, it's exciting to me. And I think I'm in agreement. I think, I don't think you can become a master on your first stab at something. I do believe it requires time, repetition. Um, another thing that pops up for me when I think about what is are the requirements of mastery is like this notion of ongoing practice. No, I don't think there's like the end, like I'm a master now so I can put my practice down and just like sit here resting at the level of master. I think it's implied that it's perpetual, goes on forever. Um, another thing that I think a master is and that I think you do in spades is make something hard look easy. <laughs> like when you are steering the ship, Mandy Moore, I know a that we're going to get there, b that we're going to have some fun on the way, but I also know that it's not easy to like pilot a ship. It's not easy to choreograph a film. Yeah. So, I think so there's this Italian word, the word is sprezzatura. Are you familiar with this word? No. <laughs> Tell me. I guess I, I'll probably botch the definition, but it's the act of making something difficult look easy. Mm. And I know that steering a ship, choreographing a film, choreographing a one and a half minute thing for So You Think You Can Dance, like that is hard. And you make it look easy and you make it look fun. And I think that that's like absolute mark of a master. And I think that you have that in spades. Um, but I also think that there are masters who don't give a damn about easy or fun. They just do the work. Um, and so that's also a thing. And there's value there. Okay. So, okay, we did the direct thing. Like, that's what mastery is to you. Copy, loud and clear. Now I'm going to take a, a Wilson um, a Wilson wander. I'm going to wander a little bit. Because I was <laughs> reflecting. <laughs> I was thinking about you, about this conversation. And then also you know, the other thoughts kind of like jump in. Um, Elvis Presley. Okay. <laughs> so I did some pre-production movement coaching for Austin Butler, who's playing yeah. Elvis in Baz Luhrmann's upcoming. And I saw the trailers come out and the movies coming out this summer. And so all my little receptors are like, like, oh my God, I'm so curious. I wonder what's going to happen. I wonder how it looks. Blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's dawned on me that this film for many young people will be the first that they are seeing of Elvis. Mm, and yes. I, so I also went down the, I also went down this like old VMAs road, watching old Britney and NSYNC performances. And like there, those performances happened before most of the dancers I work with were alive. And like, I think there's something about being a master being so huge that like generations upon generations will know of you. And what I think, what I want to talk about right now, sometime I'll get there, I promise, is that I think so many people know you as a master choreographer. Like they saw the Vanity Fair, La La Land breakdown mm -hmm. thing. They see you on Dancing with the Stars or so you think, and they think like, oh, that's the choreographer. I am so lucky that I got to know you as a dancer and as a teacher <laughs> And as a friend first, so I would love to hear a little bit of your journey to 
choreographer so that the people listening who just think that you emerged into the world as a <laughs> badass boss choreographer woman, like that they might know, oh, you assisted people and oh, you taught forever. And like, I give us the roadmap that landed you here. Whoa. Okay. Well, I'm going to try not to make it too long because everyone will be like, oh, 44 hours later. But um, I mean, <laughs> honestly, it starts when I moved to LA. You know, I was 18, came from a small town in Colorado, moved to LA and I auditioned for Edge Performing Arts Scholarship, right? So like that was the place. It was either there or Tremaine when I moved to LA. And uh, I didn't make it. Like full stop, I did not make it. I auditioned and my friend that came from the same studio made it and I didn't. And I remember in that moment thinking, you know, because again, that was like pre, um, you know, social media or email or any of that. And uh, you had to go to the studio and look at your name on a list and see if your name was on there. And my name wasn't on. And that moment was like for sure heartbreaking. Like it was like, oh, that was my only plan was to move to LA and then be on scholarship. But, you know, in hindsight, and many years later, I realized that that's the best thing that could have ever happened because then I had to, like, actually fight for and work for everything that I, wa that I wanted to achieve in L.A., you know, because it wasn't – I didn't get the first thing, and that really set the tone for my journey in L.A. because there were many not-get-the-first-things for me and continue to be, yeah. you know, which is funny, like, which I think probably people that don't know me wouldn't know that because they probably say, like, well, yeah, she does this and this, this. But there were a lot of times mm -hmm. as a dancer – um, you know, I just, you know, I, I'd audition. I just, I auditioned like every other dancer, you know, I auditioned for the Oscars. I didn't make it. Audition for, you know, whatever tour was out, didn't make it. <laughs> audition for whatever television show was, didn't make it, <laughs> you know? So I, um, just kept taking a lot of class. Like that was my thing was I just really loved class. And I, I mean, you know, this, we dance on stage together. Like I really do love dance. Like we're similar in that way. Like I love to be in class and to, learn and to be in group one and do a terrible and go to the side and try and figure it out or watch other people that are good in class like that is my jam like that's what I love to do and I spent a lot of time in LA doing that and you know and studying with masters you know studying with other people that you know and truly studying not coming in for a couple classes you know but Helene Phillips I think I took that lady's class two times a week for five years. I never missed a class. You know, I was there all mm. the time. And mm -hmm. Jackie Slate, same thing. I took all of her classes and Terry Beeman and Alex Magno, these people that really like shaped who I was as a dancer. And then in those classes, just like, I mean, this is not a unique story. It's like you meet people in class. So you meet your tribe, you meet your squad, mm -hmm. you meet your people. And I met Carrie Ann Inaba in Alex Magno's class because I used to take with her. And we mm -hmm. jammed together in class. Like we really liked each other. And then Alex, she'll tell this story too, but it's, you know, he asked us to do a performance and because I'm a psycho and an overachiever, we had to bring in our own costumes. And of course I didn't only bring in my own costume, Dana, I brought in costumes for everybody else and laid them out, all out on the floor to make sure that everyone was taken care of. And Carrie Ann was like, who are you? <laughs> you know? And in that moment, um, yeah, she and I forged a friendship. And from that point forward, she asked me to uh, to assist her because she started choreographing or transitioning into choreography right at the start of the reality television phase. So that was in the early days of mm -hmm. who wants to marry a multimillionaire, America's sexiest bachelor. I mean, these were like 
really classy shows. And she was hired to choreograph and um, wanted me to assist. And I am forever grateful for her because she really was the kind of in for me into the business. And she taught me a lot about the business and how to uh, talk with executives, directors, deal with talent, be, you know, talk about rehearsal schedules. How do you get props to the room? You know, all those kinds of things that, you know, as a young artist, you have no idea. I didn't know. I mean, I was a smart cookie, but I had no idea how to mm-hmm. navigate any of that. She also taught me a lot about your first version isn't the version. I remember, and we laugh about this now, Oof. but you know, she used to do, oh my God, we do the first version. We work really hard to do the first version. I was like, sweet. Like, let's wrap it up. We're good. And she's like, oh no, no, we're going to do like four other versions. And I remember being so annoyed and we giggle about it now, but so annoyed. <laughs> like why? I mean, you know, version one works. And I, I really credit her too with like, you know, cause then, you know, when something goes wrong, you already have a backup plan and a backup plan to the backup plan and a backup plan to that plan. And that I think is a huge thing that I've taken with me too. And I still use to this day. Um, but yeah, then I assisted her. She transitioned into in front of camera. You know, she got, uh, well, we started working on American Idol with Nigel Lithgow. He was starting. So you think you can dance. <laughs> so then that's how that all started. And I was just in the mix for that. And she, was asked to choreograph season one of So You Think You Can Dance the Audition Cities. And I was her assistant. Mm. So that's kind of how I got into the So You Think world. She went over to Dancing with the Stars. And then I stayed at So You Think and was asked. I was an assistant season one. And then I was not around season two. And then season three, they asked me to um, choreograph an, uh, an episode. I got pulled up. <laughs> you know, I got pulled up and asked to, to, yes. do, a, to do a duet. And then... From that point forward, I kind of was then in the choreography world. All the while, as you know, I was still dancing. I mean, we were in a contemporary company together, Um, you know, so I was still training a lot and dancing together. And I remember giggling at that time thinking like, man, I'm like 30. I think I was 30 and y'all were 20. And I was like, this is the best job ever. (laughs) We get paid to take ballet class and like choreograph. And it was so fun. I just loved it. It was so good. Um, I, what a fond chapter, those early, (laughs) early times. And speaking of the way you talk about training and, and taking Helene's class and Alex Magno, um, and I, my fond edge training days, well, my fond training days were at edge training with you. I remember feeling that my legs weren't mine. Like I was that (laughs) tired and I was that exhausted and then all of a sudden we're going across the floor in your class and we're like misdirection Mary, super speed weight transfer. And I remember feeling like, I don't know if I will see the other side of the floor. <laughs> um, but I think I'm, I, I'm starting to thread this through line together, which is even like, I, I think you're a master planner. And here's why I say this. Yep. When you arrived at LA, you had a plan. You had this like, this is what's gonna happen. And then the powers that be, whether, you know, God, a tree, the universe, randomness, whatever it is, was like, nope, not that one. And so you were like, oh, okay, wait. Okay, okay, so new plan. Okay, new plan. And and you did that, like, new plan thing. And then Carrie Ann taught you how to have a backup plan for the plan for the plan. And so you're this person who's so good at planning. And I'm, I knew that. I always knew that. But seeing it 
seeing that it started that early on is inspiring and cool because I think that everybody could practice planning and backup planning at any time, anywhere. You don't need a dance studio to do that. You don't need a dance teacher or a mentor to do that. You can just be a person that is flexing that muscle as often as you want. Um, and I love it. It It's... But you, but you can also wing it. So there's balance, right? We know this. Okay. Um, but I also think you have to uh, you can only I'll... wing it when you have a foundation. And I think that's what planning is for me. It's like, I, of course, like, I love to just get out there and like free form. But don't kid, I have the strongest foundation underneath me because I don't like... I don't like people to see me sweat. I also don't like to sweat. I mean, literally, I love to sweat, actually, as a dancer. But <laughs> I don't... You know, as a choreographer, it's like... I hate that feeling when you're on camera or you're on set and it's going wrong. It's going very wrong or a director throws mm -hmm. a curveball, which is every two seconds on set when you're a choreographer. They throw a curveball and then you're like left and everyone's staring at you and you don't know what you're doing. So I cannot stand that and I will do anything to make that not happen for myself. So yeah, you, you read it right. <laughs> Copy that, master planner Mandy Moore. Um, <laughs> This is delicious. I love it. And I also hate that feeling. Samesies. I think that one thing a lot of people, specifically directors, not that they don't understand the value of rehearsal, but I don't think most people know how long it takes for us to make patterns and for how long it takes for us to get the results that they're used to seeing. And so changes often are not made quickly. Changes are often... Like those curveballs that might be a quick fix for a dialogue scene, take take rehearsal, take communication, take more training. And so, yes, as you're saying this, I'm remembering really wishing those moments would cease to exist. <laughs> those like curveball moments where I'm like, I need more time um, or I'm not prepared for that. Let Please let me regroup and become prepared for that. I hate that feeling. But I love, well, one of the many things I love is that I know it's possible. Mm -hmm. Like with some time, with communication, with the right team, that's possible. And yeah. I think you're a person that's really, really good at delivering the goods um, and delivering clear like expectations. Like I understand mm -hmm. that you want that, but this is what we get with this amount of time or, <laughs> or whatever. Fill in the blank. Um, okay, I want to go, like, eight different directions. <laughs> okay. Here's where I'm going to go. You talked about Carrie Ann teaching you how to have conversations, how to do the more uh, mouth work of a choreographer yeah. versus, like, making up dance moves. Um, what would you say are the, the, like, defining characteristics of a great choreographer versus a great dancer? Like what's the divide there? Mm. Or the dancers that you wanna work with actually? What what defines that? And then how is that different from a great choreographer? I think it all boils down to communication for me or like ability to discuss, ability to uh, be in the space and have a back and forth. And that, for me, is both choreographer mm. and dancer. So for me, it's like, you know, as you've been in the room with me, I can't stand people in the room that 
I can't look in the eyes and go, you know, or if I do look in the eyes, they're going to like crumble into something or they they don't have an opinion because I don't believe that dance and choreography is something that is, uh, I don't shoulder all of it as a choreographer. I am only the, the like vessel to give it to other departments being dancers, other, you know, the, the camera, the director, you know, it's like, as a choreographer, it is, it's not all me. We all have to shoulder it together. And because I think, I believe mm -hmm. we are the most collaborative department by de definition. Hands down. We cross into everybody on set, right? So, yes. you know, for me, yes. I think it's also, yes. yeah. Set, prop, costume, yes. lighting, all of it. Yes. I feel like that's what we need on our business cards. You know, like, hey, I'm Mandy, and I also work in these 72 departments, you know, like, and I, I think you have to have those communication skills as a dancer and as mm -hmm. a choreographer. And that's the, the kind of, like you were saying, like the mouth part, like that's the brain part of it, which again, as I get older and I continue to work through choreography, it's 99% of the job. You know this, it's 1% step making, mm -hmm. it's 99% communication and organization and all the things that you're not necessarily learning in a dance class. Well, you are if you're a smart person. You're learning how to be a fully realized artist and dancer. Um, but, you know, it's not about the steps. Until it's about the steps. And then it's about the steps. And they better be amazing. You better have that. You better yeah. be backed up by that. Yeah. But, yeah, that is such a small percentage of the time. Okay. So you were on set today. You're shooting. And yeah. what percentage of your day today was making steps? Uh, like zero, zero. I mean, yeah. I mean, cause I also don't yeah. like to be on set having to make up steps. Like that is chaos to me. And I, I also feel like I failed if we have to do that. I love that <laughs> definition. Know? Yeah. Today was interesting cause it was a really complicated day. It was very, very complicated. So we were having to deal with post things that are going to be done in post-production and then also things that are being shot live action. And then it's a musical mm. and then the camera shot and then eye lines and like, you know, you have to be on point, you know? And I also love that part of choreography where it's like, don't look anywhere else. Look at me. I know I'm the expert. I'm happy to talk about it. I know the number better than anybody. Cause I made it up. It came from my brain. Ooh, that is an empowered position, my friend. Yeah. And it's a tough one sometimes on set, you know, cause not everybody sees choreographers as that, unfortunately, I think. I was just about to say, I'm, I'm really glad that you're here and delivering this message today because I think that there's um, kind of a global awakening to the role of the choreographer. I'd like to think that the world is getting privy to that movement really matters. Like it actually drives not only like our culture and pop culture, but like, nope, Economically, dance is a force. It sells stuff. It is, I mean, look at TikTok. This is a, a force to be reckoned with. And behind it, and by it I mean dance, is choreographers mm -hmm. who know what they're doing, we hope. Mm -hmm. Occasionally, there are people who love to move who got lucky. But most of the time, if you're, if you're looking at a, a film production, which requires something be delivered at super high quality over and over and over and over again. We're not talking about a one-hit random viral video. We're talking about reproducible quality at a 
ridiculously high scale that is teachable to non-dancers. Yes. Imagine that. Um, so, okay. So anyways, I I have been working as part of the steering committee for the Choreographers Guild, of which yeah. you are a part of and becoming a very big part of as we introduce ourselves to the world. And education is one of our most important focuses. So thank you for helping people to <laughs> imagine or understand what it means to be a choreographer. Um Okay, and actually, while we're on that subject, I would love to talk about your team because, again, I think you make great work and you assemble a great team. When I get signed on to do a gig with you, I know it's going to be fast, efficient, and fun. And I didn't even mean for that alliteration to happen. That was just <laughs> born just now. Um, and part of that is because of your ethos. Like, part of it is trickle-down, but the other part of it is the company you keep. Um, yeah. So could you talk about, like, the people you love to work with and why? You already talked a little bit about the people you admired um, in those early days, but maybe we can talk also about the people that you think of our masters now. Um, but, yeah, I'd love to hear about your team and how and how shit gets done in your within your the organism of your projects. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think I am only as strong as my team, you know, because it is, again, I, I don't believe that I alone – you know, and the the person who holds it all, all the information, you know, and I, there's so much more to choreography than just obviously making steps, you know this. So, you know, one of my dearest teammates always is Jillian Myers, fellow seaweed sister, you know, I've worked with her for years and years and years, and she mm -hmm. is, she just gets it, you know, she's someone who, you know, first and foremost, I was always incredibly inspired by as a mover. I loved when she was a kid teaching her, I loved her. And then I was so lucky to dance next to her. So I'm always inspired to also dance next to her. And then to be in the room with her, mm -hmm. she's a great, you know, she's a great, um, not only sounding board, but also someone who can take an idea or a abstract thing. She also, you know, she gets off on it. She loves it. She's so good at it. And she loves mm -hmm. to take mm -hmm. ideas mm -hmm. and volley that back and forth. And you know, now seeing how she's grown into her own choreographer too, you know, I feel lucky. I say this to her all the time, but it's like, I feel lucky anytime I can have her on my team. But, you know, she's been a huge part of my team for the last probably 10 years. And I very much look forward to her and what her next chapters are too, because, you know, I've also said to her, like, the best thing that could ever happen is for you not to be able to work with me anymore, even though that would be hard for me. But it's like, then right. the world gets to see right. your voice alone, like well, who you are as a choreographer. Um Mm -hmm. You know, and on Zoe's, I had Jeffrey Mortensen, who was also incredible, because I, I find that I do my teams in threes, usually, and that mm -hmm. has worked out really well with me. I don't usually do two, because I think three is, you know, the best idea kind of always wins with three. When um, mm -hmm. Yes, you have a democracy, you have a, yeah. a, a, a vote. <laughs> yeah, and you kind of, you feel... There's something about the triangle that is interesting to me that someone oh, takes lead at whatever point, strongest you know? shape. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. you know, right now on Snow White, um, my team is uh, basically my number two. My associate is Martha Nichols. And it's her first time being in this role with me. So that's been really incredible and amazing for me. And also, I think, for her, you know, because I've been working with Jillian so mm -hmm. long as my number two. It was like, you know, to have a new energy in there was like, whoa, you know, it's like, yeah, like you were talking about, it's like you continue to grow and learn. And I found as a choreographer too, yes. my different, different chapters of different parts of your life, you are good or weak at things. And 
you know, somebody comes into a team and you're like, oh, wow, you really bring that to the team, but you don't bring that. So ah, I need that, you know, and our third person is a, a mm-hmm. lovely young man named Shay Barkley, who I've never worked with, who's a local here. And it's also his first time being on this side of the camera. So on this job, I'm really in a different position, you know, of having a brand new green team who's never been on this Whoa. side. But, you know, it's been, yeah, it's been awesome. I mean, they're so incredible and they're so different than Jillian and Jeff. Um, but still really strong. You know, you have to, that's another thing I think as a choreographer, it's like your job, part of your job is to lead and to teach and to mentor and to help and to, you know, Jeff Thacker from So You Think, he and I love to geek about talking about choreographers and, you know, he he always said to me, it's like, you're the one they have to look to. Someone has to lead. There can't be 42 cooks in the kitchen. Like someone has to be head chef and someone has to make the decisions and sometimes they're hard decisions and some, but you got to say like, okay, everybody, we're going this way. And it doesn't necessarily matter if in 10 steps you decide that's not the way we should go. We should go over here. But if no one's leading, and I think that can be the demise of a choreographer sometimes is when you just don't make a decision and you're, you know, waffling <laughs> back and forth between a million and five things. It's like, just go, go away, see it through. And if it doesn't work, you can take a hard left or a hard right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I love, I love that you said that, and I love that you're uh, highlighting the dyna- the team dynamics. Which, you know, I've I assisted and associated and occasionally co choreographed with Marty Kadelka for like from when I was eighteen up until present day. Like, and so we, I know his vocabulary. There was a point where I felt like I could finish his phrases for him. I rarely mm-hmm. did, but there was once as a joke, we made up one of his little kid combos sitting on a couch and he <laughs> told me the words and then I stood up and did them. And he was like, yes, that was it. <laughs> um, but that is, and you know, any strength if overused can be a weakness. So like getting to a point where you rely on just understanding or like me being able to read his mind the truth is I actually can't so it might be that when you change teammates your communication skills get stronger you find a different way to explain things you find a different way to um to get the point across which great this is why we're here to do it better than we did before I love it now I was gonna say too it's like the in my teams, I also talk a lot about systems. For me, I do best when I have systems that are clear and are efficient. Like you talk about, that's really important to me. And I also feel as a team, again, because I think we're a little bit misunderstood as choreographers. And especially when you get into these bigger you know, sets on television or movies, I always, you know, I was saying this, actually, Martha and I were talking about this the other day, that it's really important for me to feel like my team is buttoned up. And no one can look at us and go like, they don't know what they're doing or they're disorganized or that was misinformation. And, you know, of course, things happen or mistakes happen. I'm never saying that it should, that everyone has to be so perfect that nothing can fall through the cracks. But I just always want to be the Mm -hmm. people at the table that people go, huh, because eventually what ends up happening is production then starts looking at you and they ask you about things instead of, feeling like you're kind of a lonely, isolated island as a choreographer where you're getting information seven hours and seven hours later, you know, 25 days after the fact, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, 
you slowly start, people start to trust you and understand that the team is smart and that they, that you're good yes. and that you know what's going on and you're listening. And I love that. Cause then I'm like, yeah, we should be treated the same as the, you know, the production designer or the, you know, the, the costume designer or the hair and makeup people or the art department. It's like, we are in a, you know, especially in a musical, maybe not in a film that isn't in a musical, but we are just as equal. We're an important part of that ecosystem. But if you don't behave in a way where you're buttoned up and rocking and rolling, it doesn't matter. And that's why you need a team that's strong. You have to all be strong. No mm. one can be weak in that situation. Mm. Factuals. I don't, I, I, yes, <laughs> I couldn't agree more. It's the difference. Yeah. Being, being buttoned up, as you say, which I love is it's the difference between being a voice in mission control or the orbiting planet, like the spaceman yes. out in the solar system that's like grasping for information or communication. You want to be in the room and you don't yes. get to be in the room if you're always messing up. Yes. <laughs> so yes. I love, I love, I love that. That's powerful. Um, are there people in your world right now that are, that you feel have achieved a, a level of mastery that you like oogle and boogle over? <laughs> I mean, every day. <laughs> I mean, I, I find yeah. indifference in different ways, honestly. Like I look at some young dancers that, you know, even I don't cheat on commission all the time anymore, obviously. Cause I, you know, that was, I feel like another lifetime that I did that. But even dancers, I see it, you know, mm -hmm. nationals or something. I look and go like, wow, like you have really mastered a part of this, your life. Like this little chapter of, you know, competition or understanding a certain style of technique at your age, you're really doing a great job. And the, you know, the dream is obviously that that continues to grow, that it doesn't, you know, die after that moment. But, you know, I, I look at some young uh -huh. dancers and I think, wow, you like, incredible in the way that you're moving and understanding music and space and you know what you do I mean what people are doing with their bodies obviously incredible that's always how it is every generation says that about the younger generation but you know I also find that like you guys seaweed sisters I look at you guys and I'm like I see stuff you do and I'm like oh what you guys are so incredible like what you do it's and it's such a beautiful voice and it is a voice of women that have taken a long time to understand that voice. And you, I also love that the three of you work together. I think that that's also a really incredible thing to talk about. But, you know, I, I think you mm -hmm. guys are amazing. I mean, I'm also really bad because I'm never on social media, so pardon me. Um, <laughs> you know, I think the... Well, I think it's interesting that, like, we know whatever part of the, even on social media, we only know the bubble uh, that social media shows us. So I think it's yeah. cool that you know a different world than the world that I know because of the world that's in front of me, which also reminds me what I was going to, uh, one of my eight things I wanted to talk about earlier was the change that phones made to training. And when you were talking about those earlier days taking class at Edge, you did not, like there was no option to get your photo with the teacher after class. That was not the valuable moment. The valuable moment was the 90 minutes that you walked in the door and were like completely surrendering to them in their whatever they were asking of you. And so I think that that's important because I do I do get the feeling and Chloe Arnold mentioned this on convention this past weekend 
um, she asked her teen senior ballroom, she said, raise your hand if any of you looked up the faculty this weekend. Like, how, ma- how many of you researched who's on faculty? And no one out of the probably 200 people in the teen senior ballroom, no one had looked us up. They were there to, like, win, get the scholarship. And I guess they trust Joe and Terry very much that he would assemble a team that's, you know, elite or somehow vetted through him. But they didn't even know. Like, we walked into those rooms knowing exactly that we were what we were getting into, A, and B, that we were about to get filleted if we didn't <laughs> level up. So mm-hmm. I think I think that that's a big shift. Not that we're here to talk yeah. about what's changed in the world. We could go on on that. Um, but uh, I want to talk about women and being a woman head of department, how often you see that happening, um, how often you work for women directors, how often... Like, what are you seeing out there in the world? Because I could tell you what I see, and it's not a lot of women. But I'm curious to hear your experience and if you feel like people hear your voice as equal. Uh, That's a good one to talk about. Um, Just got real. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting because I I definitely feel like there's been a, a shift from when I first started being a younger choreographer, for sure. There's definitely more women in executive roles. There's more women directors. There's more women writers. There's, um, you know, more heads of department. Yes. I still feel, though, that it is an odd... It's like they're not in the top positions, though. <laughs> you know, it's like they're almost mm-hmm. in, you know, the the big, big executive roles for a lot of the stuff are still men. And there's very few women mm-hmm. that are in those, like, top, 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 top. You know, you may have a bunch of head to, uh, heads of department that are women. Um, and I mm-hmm. they do think that people are trying to change it. So I, I don't think that it's something that's, like, a lost cause by any means. Um, but I... Mm-hmm. you know I, I wish there was a little more mm-hmm. because also there is times where you feel like you're in a boys club for sure you know and you play and again that might be after years and years of years of it happening that you kind of don't know how to behave another way you know I, I definitely have felt mm-hmm. I have had moments where I had to play dumb or I had to play like I didn't know in order to be like faking everyone out that I was surprised that I came up with something really good or just happened to shoot a previs that was exactly right by mistake, you know, so that someone could be like, oh, cool, you know, and you're like, okay, whatever. Um, But that's also, I think, I do take some of that on myself, you know, that I need to also learn that it's okay to have my own voice and to not be afraid to say something in a group of people, you know. And I I also think it's a weird, deep-seated, like, choreographer thing Dana I'm not gonna lie like I think we've been a little bit like under you know the thumb of whatever for a while and been just people don't get us you know like a lot of productions don't Hmm. a lot of they don't understand our process Mm -hmm. you you kind of talked about that I think it's a big thing they have no Mm -hmm. idea that it took us you know three weeks to get those three minutes the way they were and one fell swoop of somebody saying can you turn that around and do it the other way it's like they've undone everything we've done for three weeks. <laughs> they have no idea. Cause I also believe if they really understood how hard it was to get from A to B with choreography and really make it look beautiful and seamless and effortless and joyful or sad or whatever we're supposed to do. People really were in those eight hour rehearsals with us. 
you know, scratching our heads, like, how are you going to get these people over here or do that? Or that doesn't convey that emotion. They would never in one fell swoop do the things they do, but they do. Right. I don't know. Women directors, it's interesting too, Dana, because I don't think there's a lot. I haven't worked with a lot. You know, I really haven't. Mm -hmm. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I, I hope to see the trend continue in the direction of, you know, more balance in our world. Um, I wonder if, I wonder two things. I wonder if the, the choreographer's experience is affected by the dancer culture. I think most, not all choreographers, but we're dancers for a very long, long time. And in Mm -hmm. that position, we are voiceless. We are encouraged to not speak up but to do as we're told when someone says jump we say how high (laughs) when someone says turn we say how many and so we're trained to be pleasers in our past life or in our early creative lives and I wonder how much of that is kind of residual still there learning to exercise the vocal voice as a choreographer Um, and I also wonder because I'll be I'll be very honest and Love you can it. tell me to cut this part if you want, but I think it's f-ing powerful. There is a sentence that I hold as synonymous with you. I don't know where it happened or what when I first heard you say this, but I, I remember like kind of chaos set type vibe. It might have been rehearsal. It might have been shoot. I don't remember. And I remember you looking around and saying, does anyone work here? Like, <laughs> is anyone working here? Who is doing the work here? And like... Can I, can we just get things done now, please? (laughs) So does anyone work here is sort of like the way I think of you. And I think that's sort of like the master planner in you. When you found out like, okay, that plan didn't work. You made your own plan. When you're standing on set and you're looking at nothing working, you're like, okay, let's make a plan. Who's, who, who showed up to work today? Let's do that. To me, that's, that's. That's powerful. That's not only creative power, but that's also executive power. Do you see yourself? Do you aspire to be in those top, top positions that you talk about where you, where you don't see a lot of women? Yes, 100%. And the more I go in this, the more I, you know, I, I do think it's a little bit of a, you know, not to be cliche, but it's a little bit of a woman thing that you like somehow feel like you don't deserve to be there or you don't know or maybe that, you know, like you're just not smart enough or you don't have enough whatever to get there. And honestly, the last like five years of my life, I'm like, what? I'm, like, I'm in these positions with people and I'm not going to say I'm smarter, but I'm certainly more than, more than qualified to be in those rooms because now I am in those rooms <laughs> and having those discussions with people. And you're like, yeah, I, I, can do, I can do this. I am already doing this. So why can't I also have the credit and the pay? Because someone else is getting paid and has the credit for the work that I was doing. So, yeah, that's a big realization over the last year. So I'm just like, it, and I get really annoyed at the chaos of production and the mm-hmm. ecosystem that perpetuates this like feeling of people just like going, I don't know, until the next person does it. I'm like, no, no, no. do the work, get in there, figure it out. If it's not working, Put, like, get in the ring. Get in the boxing max, man. You can't be, like, standing on the outside going, like, yeah, looks like a tough fight. Get in. We're making something. You are going to get dirty in the creation process. You're going to. You have to get, you're going to have some bruises along the way. And that is, 
you know, not that everything has to be a fight, but you have to organize and not be afraid to jump in. I always, I always say to my, Jillian and I talk about this a lot too, like you got to dive in to the deep end. You can't just like dip your toes in the shallow end of anything when it comes to creation and production and expect an outcome. You have to dive in and you have to get underneath, get your hair wet, swim around, tread the water, come up for air, and then eventually you're going to find that mm -hmm. you're going to be good to go. You're going to find your way back to shore, but you can't just sit there and do nothing. Especially not in a leadership role. Oh. If that's your position as a leader, then everyone else is still 10 feet behind you. Like, what is she going to do? What should I do? So, oh my God, I think that exactly that is exactly why I love to be working with you because you're like, cannonball! Oh. And I'm like, yeah, I can jump in. It's like, you know, that permission is so fully granted at the top. And it, there doesn't feel to be a pressure of like, you're right, or that was wrong. It's like, let's find it. Let's mm -hmm. find it, guys. And then, and then we do. And I love that so much. It's not a science. Like, creation is not a science. You can't just, like add water and there's a, a piece of work it's not a science so you have to get in there and flail around and sometimes it's less of a flail sometimes it is a full flail and a flop but you never know unless you get in there Ooh, that was a good sound bite mandy you speak in sound bites now <laughs> oh cool <laughs> um Okay, so here's what I think. I know you're a busy lady. I know we got into some heavy-duty women, woman, woman, women talks. Um, so I want to, I want to end on a lighter burnout round. Are you ready for this? Let's do it. Okay, this is my, this is my. How do you know you're from Colorado? Questionnaire burnout round. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so my first question: answer from the guts. Answer from the guts. Okay. How often do you wash your car? <laughs> Way more since I've moved to LA. But when I was in Colorado, never, never. That's a zero, zero wash my car. Um, what are Rocky Mountain oysters? Ew, I think they're cow balls. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally, totally <laughs> testiculars. Um, okay, this next one. Next one is a trick question. What is the proper method for getting the ice or snow off of your windshield? Mm. You should take the straight side of the ice scraper and I think sideways, not up and down. And you certainly don't put the windshield wiper stuff on and just squeegee, squeegee. No, no, no. This is going to do no one any good. That was a great <laughs> answer to this question. Um, I will say you're absolutely spot on. Up and down is n not ever the way to go. But the actual correct answer to that question is any tool available that is flat. That is your <laughs> scraper tool. I have used my school ID. I have used the like I have used the aglet of my shoelace to to really like <laughs> carve out a little peek of you. We hey, by any means necessary. Um, okay. Final question. What is the name of the theme park that only a tourist would call Six Flags? Elish Gardens? Yes. Good job. You had me nervous there for a second. But you didn't grow up. I have up one in, for you. You didn't grow up in No, Denver. I have one for you, though, Dana. Okay, go. What is the restaurant that was highlighted on South Park that the guys who made South Park bought? Casa Frickin' Bonita. <laughs> yes! That's the, that's the Colorado connection, my friends. Casa Love Bonita. It. The, the, the thread that ties us all together. <laughs> 
with like terrible, terrible after meal pains. Oh. Um, all right, Manders, I <laughs> I cannot thank you enough for being here. I have smiled ear to ear this entire time. I just so appreciate you and your time and your and your wisdom. Thank you so much. Love you so much, Dana. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. I'll talk to you soon. I wanna we'll we'll have we'll have a glass of wine someday soon. I wanna know all the stories of all the things. Please, please, please. Yes. Okay. All right. Love you. Take care. Have a great rest of the shoot. All right, my friend. Holy smokeronies. I loved talking to Mandy, period. I could do that for hours. Um, but I specifically loved talking about training. And I think it's important to like underline and emphasize that Mandy's appetite for hard work on set is matched only by how hard she herself has worked as a dancer in the studio. Man, I wish y'all could have seen and felt what it was like to train with her and to share the stage with her. Wowza. That is a force. And it's a force that she has taken with her into all of her other roles and responsibilities. I am so very impressed and inspired by that. Also, I loved talking about the many, many roles and responsibilities of a choreographer. I, I agree, especially in a musical, that the choreography team has the most crossover with other departments. We are the glue. And I also like to think of us as the glitter, actually. The glitter and the glue that hold it all together. Um, I might be, you know, slightly biased, but I, I really th I think that's a fact. Um, oh, I also love to hear the esteem in which she holds her team because I think the act of choreographing can certainly be solitary. Like, you can do that by yourself. But bringing movement to mega musical movies and shows and even commercials and music videos, especially in the time frame that productions demand these days, that really does take a village. In, in Mandy's words, a very buttoned up village. Now, the last thing, and this is important, when I asked Mandy who she admires and who are the masters that she looks up to, her answer was not what I expected. And I love being surprised. So let this be a reminder that when you are looking for inspiration, don't just look, quote, up. Look out. Look around you. It's all out there. So get out there. <laughs> get into the world. Get the work done. Cannonball into that creative pool. And of course, keep it very, very funky. I'll talk to you later. Bye. This podcast was produced by me with the help of many. Music by Max Winnie. Logo and brand design by Brie Reitz. And big thanks to Riley Higgins, our executive assistant and editor. Also, massive thanks to you, the mover who is no stranger to taking action. So go take action. I will not, cannot stop you from downloading episodes or leaving a review and a rating. I will not ban you from my online store for spending your hard-earned money on the cool merch and awesome programs that await you there. I will 100% not stop you from visiting wordsthatmoveme.com if you want to talk with me, work with me, and make moves with the rest of the Words That Move Me community. Oh, and also, 
I will not stop you from visiting thedanawilson.com if you're curious about all the things that I do that are not words that move me related. <laughs> all right, my friend, keep it funky. I'll talk to you soon.